Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. Uh, today is episode 77. 7 is my favorite number, so um, special number, special guest, Matt Winton. He'll be tuning in real soon, so looking forward to have a chat. And uh, again, I'm glad to see you. If you're new, uh, welcome. Uh, if you're not new, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Hope you're well. Hope you're safe. Uh, keep on coming. And uh, Matt is in the house already, so well, let's bring him in. Hey, how's it going? Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. It's it's the afternoon where you are, right? Uh, you, yeah, you know you know well. You know well this this <laughs> part of the world. <laughs> for sure, for sure. How's the quality? It's all right for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect, man. Like you know, this is this is no fancy production. It's uh, you know, just a, just a little spot where to catch up and uh, and speaking of which thank you for giving us you know an hour of your time i know you're a busy man and uh um how are you and how's your family and how's everything going with you know these interesting times uh yeah good good um everything's great pretty much uh slight hiccup we had um, a guy in the team at work um test positive for corona so we all had to uh, quarantine the last week, basically. The shop's been more or less closed. Um, we managed to stay open a little bit. Um, there were some people that could work. But uh, thankfully, everyone was asymptomatic and no one else was tested positive. So it's all good. But um, that's been an interesting time. It <laughs> <laughs> is. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're well. And hopefully even your co-worker, I'm, I'm assuming he or she as well. Yeah, yeah, totally no symptoms. So like everyone, everyone's fine. There was uh, three or four cases floating around some friend groups here in Zurich, and uh, everything's been cool. Well, it's uh, it's such a rabbit hole. It's so interesting. Uh, yeah, but uh, we'll leave it for the all the call it, you know the there's all the all the theories out there. Uh, for for me, it's just a matter of you know we'll we'll take a day at a time and. Uh, as it comes and uh, look where most of us are the lucky ones who are in a privileged position to have not been impacted too heavily. So it's okay. Um, I gotta, I gotta say before we jump into it, I'm quite jealous of your hair. I'm trying to, I'm trying to catch up, but uh, it's been, it's quite a project of mine. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, I think uh, it's been since September 2018, so about two years now since I had a proper haircut. So it's got a little bit of length on it now. Okay. And then quarantine added a few more inches. <laughs> okay, and yours also straighter than mine. All right, hopefully I'll catch up in a few months. Um, I guess usual standard first question. Um, could you kindly tell us, uh, you know, how did you jump into started this you know coffee journey of yours um yeah it's a good question um i think everyone's got really unique answers as well um i've never really uh, there's not too many people who've just been like oh i'm doing coffee now this is my thing um from you know straight out of school or whatever so for me i used to uh I, first when i left high school i joined the army and I was in the Australian Army for uh, like seven years where I was learning to fix helicopters. And then I kept doing that a little bit afterwards as well. So I did uh, some civilian uh, aircraft engineering. Um, so I did that for all up, yeah, about eight years. And that actually brought me to Europe. Um, I was working in Europe and I was traveling around the place, sort of contract to contract, um, no real fixed location. And I came to Zurich in like 2016 and I had a short-term contract, and the place here is so beautiful. I wanted to stay for a little bit longer. Um, I found a job in a cafe, and then I just fell in love with it. And since then, I, I've just been working in coffee. Um, it was just something about, like, working in service, I think, as well. I think it could have also easily been a bar job that I went to because I was doing a bit of cocktail bartending on the side here and there. Um, but I just really liked 
you know, I would go to work in the morning, listening to like a podcast about coffee, learning this whole new big world while setting up the cafe, then serve people all day. And then when I got home, I would just like, like watch videos and listen to more podcasts and read articles and just sort of try and learn as much as I could. Um, it was just so fascinating. It's a massive world of specialty coffee. It's beautiful because it's massive, but it's also quite small, if you feel me. Uh, as in, it's a small world within the fact that, you know, rarely you meet someone who doesn't know someone that you also know, but it's also a big world when it comes to uh, the actual coffee, 100%. Um, and, you know, uh, from there, did you stick to Switzerland or did you travel around Europe a little bit? Uh, so I had been in Switzerland for, I think, about two years. And then I, um, at that time, I won the Swedish barista competition for the first time up in, in Sweden. And I met uh, Joanna Alm at Drop Coffee. Um, she was just so lovely. It was just, I was just drawn to her and, um, and her, her business in Drop. And uh, at the time, a contract I was uh, working at in Zurich in a cafe um, was finishing. So I thought it might be a good time to go explore other places. So I moved to Stockholm for six months. Um, it was a really cool time. Like I, I was working with Joanna and Steve, the, the drop team there, with the uh, Caitlin at the roastery as well. It was fantastic. And I did my first WBC with them, um, which was just awesome. Um, after that six months in about September or October, I think I came back to Switzerland and came back to Mame. And then I went to another small town here in Switzerland down in the South called Zermatt. Um, like that's where the Matterhorn is. Uh, that was pretty cool. It was quite nice. We were setting up a coffee roastery and a restaurant there, like literally on the, on the mountain. Um, I think we were roasting at like, uh, 1600 meters above sea level, something like that. Um, it was pretty cool. Like my walk to work every day took me past the Matterhorn. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It, it, it's quite, it's quite fascinating for me because I'm quite on the other spectrum. You know, I'm, my hometown is only a couple of hour drive to the Switzerland, to the Swiss border. So now oh, I'm on the way, uh, just in Trentino. So it's like, you know, the, awesome. yeah, you know, you, you know where it is. So it's, um, and I'm all the way to Australia now, so it's uh, we we kind of have swapped lives. So <laughs> yeah, I was, in, I was at uh, Lake Como just a few weeks ago as well. That well, so not not direction. too far from from me. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I, I've also interviewed Mathieu and Emmy, as you know probably, but I also like to hear from you. How is how is the European scene compared to? what you know or what you've been or what you've tasted of Australia because you kind of have the, the dual combination. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I never worked in specialty coffee really in Australia, which is something that's kind of uh, funny because like I went into my first coffee job and was like, hi, I'm Australian. I'm going to be a barista. And they're like, Australian barista, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, but then I couldn't really do anything. I wasn't that good. <laughs> um, so... I'd say that most of my experience comes from the European scene as it is, um, which I, I, I love it. It's sort of most of what I know, um, but it's awesome. Like the difference between Australia and the European scene, I think is the connectedness and the size, like the European scene is smaller, but I think tighter because we, you know, you can travel so many different places uh, in Europe, so easily, you know, you can go from here to Italy, you can go from Switzerland to France, to Germany, from Germany to Amsterdam, from Amsterdam to Copenhagen, all in like a few days. And each of those places has their unique uh, cultures inherited in the specialty coffee uh, scene or the coffee scene. Um, for example, like if you order just a coffee in Australia, people would be like, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as just a coffee. Um, but in Switzerland, you would get like a cafe creme, which is like a weird Americano sort of thing. In Italy, you would probably get an espresso, I guess. Uh, in France, you would get like a lungo sort of thing. In Sweden, you would get a, a filter coffee. So when you order just a coffee, it's very different depending on where you are. And then I think that sort of makes everything so much bigger. But then also we're so connected here. And like if, if someone's going, oh, I'm going to Paris next weekend, uh, do you have any places? And I'm like, yeah, sweet, go there, there and there. Or I'm going to Berlin, do you have any places? Yep, go here. Like you just sort of know everyone. You're a lot more connected over here. 
Whereas in Australia, I think that the scene is so much bigger, but so much smaller at the same time. Like you've got your pocket, you, you're in Melbourne, right? Or yeah. Yeah. So like in Melbourne, you've got, I don't know how many hundred excellent specialty coffee cafe. Like they're just everywhere. And the standard is so high, but then at the same time, you know, Melbourne, but you might not know, I don't know, Adelaide, for example, you might only know one or two, not so many. I, like when I was living in Oz, I never traveled that much. It was like maybe once or twice a year you get away. But here it's like I've traveled many, many times a year. Europe seems just so much closer, I guess. Um, like you, you might not just go to Sydney just because, but in Europe you might go to Berlin just because. I love what you said. I think you're the first one saying it and it made my, my brain working. Um, when you mentioned, took me a little bit to get it, but um, when you mentioned the ordering a coffee, it's true. It's mm. like, which is an interesting topic, right? Because I remember back home, it's like, you know, it's like cafe, 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 yeah, and you know, to the bartender or the baristas, I get three cafe, and usually, yes, it's an espresso, um, mm. which it's beautiful, but probably represents also quite the challenge in the sense of, because it's so intricate within those micro or macro cultures therefore yeah. to bring in something new is an element of challenge which is okay but it can be a time for australian understand uh, speaking yeah. of melbourne i think when you when people were watching you and saying oh you're you're a barista from australia if you say from melbourne maybe they would have even been more uh, blown <laughs> away uh, <laughs> uh that's just um, melbourne like the best city in the world for coffee i think in my opinion it's it's insane the pairing of food and coffee and culture and everything extremely lucky so how, how do you sort of sit going from you know drop coffee to mame both amazing uh both leading and the game but two different countries same continent um what do you take from both experiences and think okay what's the way what's the look for the next five ten years when it comes to not debunk but upgrade those cultures or creating a new culture so it's no longer ordering a coffee but it's more ordering what you want to drink mm, yeah that's a really good point um it's an awesome way to look at it as well i think that uh, what we're doing at Mame, I think, is probably a little bit more special um, in terms of offering an experience. And it comes from the people who are actually working at the bar. That's what I've realized the most, that the person who you're having an interaction with, they're the ones that control which way it goes. A business can have every possible wish for an interaction to go a certain way or, you know, uh, we run on their website, we support new trends or whatever it is like the, the business can do whatever but until the person actually delivering the interaction offers that then it's not complete so for example uh in sweden um i think drop coffee got most of its reputation with the roasting like joanna's a, an amazing roaster and a lot of the roasting side of it is crazy in the shop in the cafe where i worked um when i worked there it felt more like just a specialty coffee shop. It didn't feel like we were going, you know, next level with our service, next level with anything in particular. Don't get me wrong, nothing was bad at all. It just felt more traditional. Like you walk in, you order, you sit down, we bring it to you, that sort of a thing. Um, nothing too crazy. Um, then at Mame, for example, we do things that are a little bit more uh, focused on flavor. And I think Drop Coffee is actually going this way as well. Um, Joanna has put some new ways of showing off the coffees, like different categories and their flavor profile and stuff. But at Mame, we've got this flavor wheel and people walk in and, you know, maybe 50% of people go like, uh, it's my first time here. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I, what do I want? Like, talk to me, help me out because things aren't normal. And when then people don't can't just order a coffee and get away with it you can't just say give me a coffee because it's like well got another four questions to ask you um, of course like we do have people who just want a cappuccino and that's totally fine and they'll get it and it's zero problems but like the way that it's set up is towards more of an experience so we have like for example some different coffee tastings that people order quite regularly like espresso trios filter trios flights um, and some sort of special coffees that we have 
on offer as well, like a reserve menu sort of thing. Um, but they're basically broken down to uh, flavors. We had like a modified flavor wheel with I think about 10 or 12 different flavors, like chocolatey, nutty, sugary, uh, spicy, red fruits, black fruits, purple fruits, tropical fruits, uh, florals, umami, lots of different flavors. And then we write the coffee that we have on there as it is. And because we only work with a couple of EKs, we don't have like a dedicated house coffee. We just have different coffees. So it's kind of easy to not get stuck drinking the same thing. Most people tend to prefer the chocolatey coffee, which is a, a pulp natural from Deterra coffee in, in Brazil, but they can explore other options very easily. And we often ask the question, oh, what would you prefer? Something chocolatey, more fruity, more funky, more clean? What do you, what do you feel like in your coffee today? And, and I love it, the fact that the, isn't it a paradox, right? It's like, there's such an emphasis even in business, communication and the, uh, you know, you gotta communicate with your audience and be clear. But I think that we kind of have forgotten that, you know, I remember seeing, feeling, experiencing, you know, barista rolling their eyes, reading the list of options on what coffee to order. Um, and yet it is hospitality and you wouldn't roll your eyes at your uh, dinner guest if you had people over for, for dinner. Um, and I think that probably Europe has a bit of a different way of hospitality, like every other, you know, country, obviously within Europe, differences within Europe compared to Australia or other continents. Um, and that communication, whether, you know, whether it's digital, uh, that's, you know, kind of what, what, what I do for a living, but before I was doing other type of communications, which is, you know, more people-based, I think it's important that, each business or each company, however you want to call it, have you know consistently spread it and distributed communication uh, to the people that they want to listen to and deliver the experience that you're trying to communicate. Because then it, it's kept within context. Hundred mm, percent. Yeah. Like I, I, I can't stress highly enough how important the team at Mama is. The guys who are there making the interaction, the other uh, eight or so baristas that we have spread across two shops, they're the ones that are making the difference between someone just getting a normal experience or, you know, one, one of the guys, he's so passionate about just like trying to, trying to figure out, you know, how can I just like put a little impact on someone's day? Um, he's very, very passionate about it. So often he'll ask like, oh, can I make this your cappuccino with my favorite coffee? And hearing him say that, I was like, man, that's such a good sentence. Like, you know, just saying, this is my favorite. Can I share it with you? It's so cool. And it really comes down to the person. It's awesome. And sorry, I just, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute on that. But what language do you speak at the shop? It just hit me because. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's mostly English. Okay. Um, we have a very international spread of people. Um, we require a basic level of German or Swiss German, but uh, ideally, like day to day, you can speak Swiss German in Zurich. That's the, the language here. Um, so I speak Swiss German, not very good high German and uh, English. And I've spoken like uh, Swedish in the shop as well. We've got two Brazilians there. So if they see someone who speaks Portuguese or some of them speak Spanish as well, we've got a couple of Japanese people. We've got some Czech people. It's like this super big mix of, of people. Um, I would say that still as like an international consistent language would be English. Um, yeah. And you can get away with quite a lot of English in Zurich. It's quite international. Um, but you still need to have like basic Swiss German. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think um, going back to your colleague, you know, having your spin. Uh, but I, I do believe that the way that if you're bold enough to create a space in a way that you draw people to ask the question and say, you know, what, what stuck with me from what you just said is people come in and say, it's my first time. Mm -hmm. A lot of businesses are too scared of doing that because they feel that they're going to scare people. But I actually quite think mm -hmm. it's quite the opposite because it creates the hype 
the curiosity, mm. the, mm, well, there's a coffee machine. I wonder what it tastes like. And I wonder what's the, you know, why everybody's talking about it. So I think you're creating a different slice of the market within the market. Sure. Um, sure. I mean, it, it, you have to read the person as well. Some people just come in, you see their eyes sort of looking down, they're in a rush. You don't ask that person what coffee they want. You just, they say cappuccino, you give them a cappuccino. Do it with yeah. the coffee that you think they'll like, the more basic ones. Happy days. See you later. But then you see the person who's just like looking around a little bit more, a little bit more curious, and then that's the person that you can grab. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think shareability and accessibility is such a component. A lot of people in coffee are quite scared of giving everything away, right? Mm. You know, like, oh, this is my menu. This is how we do things here. This is my recipe. But I think if we look at the chef's world and at the master chef of the world, and now recipes are shared. Uh, there's yeah. more and more emphasis on excess because it's okay. Because if, if your competitor decide to copy and paste your shop, a, you've got no control, and it's he, he or she going to do it anyway. And B, if you were there first with the concept, it's okay, you remain the OG. Uh, but yeah, and yeah, interesting. Going back sort of to your uh, competition, um, you know, I'm not sure if Vag is still here, but he's someone who's been competing. Uh, you probably know him. Um, yeah, yeah. Greece, he uh, appeared out of nowhere. and We worked together a little bit for his competition in uh, the UKBC. He actually used the same coffee I did in the world, but I think it tasted better when he did it, probably. Well, there you go. Veg always asks uh, the question, who, who is, you know, in coffee, any life, uh, a person who inspired you? Um, definitely for me, it came from the podcasts. Hey, Veg. <laughs> it came from listening to podcasts. And that was the um, the Has Been podcast, um, Tampa Tantrum. So, like, uh, between um, Steve and Colin, that was, like, the original. Um, you know, listening to them every day while I was working in the cafe, learning about origins and varietals and, and uh, processing and everything through them was super interesting. I, I love podcasts. Like, I like the idea that I can just listen to someone and it's, like, sort of eavesdropping on a conversation a little bit. Um, it's fantastic. So those guys are definitely, definitely uh, my OG coffee idols. <laughs> and, and, and whilst we're here, you know, I think there's a lot of people who want to go down the path of competition. And my two cents on that is that do it just if you want to do it, not feel that you have to do it. If it's yeah. not your thing, then there's no point pursuing it. Um, I think that often this being seen as like, oh, you have to compete to become such and such, which is not quite the case but it's not short in the park so what what sort of do you say to people who are approaching competition who are you know, trying to see whether is they're too young they're too old what should they do what's yeah. your take on people starting yeah for sure um so it's an awesome question i think that um i get it asked or i, I hear about this topic every, like, a couple of times a year probably Normally it's around like uh, World of Coffee time or something like that. It's like, oh, you know, such and such, they introduce someone It's like, this is the Barista champion of blah. This person competed in blah. And I think it's really good and really, uh, not really negative, but like, and also negative as an aspect of, of this particular industry in that competing is has become like a bit of a benchmark. Um, I don't think too bad of a thing it is negative because you know if maybe you're, you're not so good at competing and you don't want to and then that's fine you still have the right to uh to be represented in the industry 100 percent. but it's a lot easier if you do compete and you get some fame i suppose through competition like thinking thinking back to different uh you know copy pros that are very popular there's not many that haven't done it through competition. And like or even all the famous roasters, you know, everyone comes through competition at some point. So it sort of has become a bit of a benchmark, but I don't really mind it too much. I think it's quite nice. Um, I think mm -hmm. it does represent a fair 
chunk of the actual uh, work that we do, not everything, but a fair chunk of it in that you have to source and, and serve excellent coffee. You have to be super professional, very, you know, lots of attention to detail. So in ways like that, I think it's actually really good. Um, for people that are just starting, I think just doing it is excellent. And I, I recently, uh, over lockdown, and I'm finishing it off right now, have started a, um, a website to help people doing exactly this. So it's going to be launched very soon. You're the first person outside of maybe five or six other people to hear about this. And now whoever else is listening, um, Dag knows about it as well. Um, so he's been helping me with some feedback on it. But it's basically providing online training for barista competitors. So when it is your first time and you want to compete, you know, it's like trying to find all the information was impossible. I didn't know that you couldn't put liquid on the cups on, on the the top i didn't know that you had to serve water i didn't know that you know lots of little things that were just like overwhelming there isn't really a clear way of like this is what you have to do so i i decided i wanted to compete from listening to the podcast and hearing people talk about barista competitions and then it was like right who do i know that has competed before let's go ask them and then you know i was lucky that people could give me advice and then i just started watching routine after routine after routine on the internet and I'm sure Bag can also attest to this, but that's the only way to do it at the moment. So I wanted to change that. That's, and uh, I suppose that this goes hand in hand when I mention creating access. That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's super important, and thank you for sharing, and thank you for doing it. I think um, creating access is super important. It's what humans are made out of. You know, it's like sharing a map when you know google maps didn't exist so you know you had people going with the boats and trying to draw the little shapes of companies like well actually if you're going this way take this piece of paper with you um and, and, and it's true because like it's daunting isn't it like uh starting a business or starting competing um, even <laughs> even brewing your first ever coffee imagine Imagine that the internet didn't exist and all of a sudden you buy a V60 at a shop. I'd be daunted to be like, okay, what, what do I do with that? Which yeah. it's okay because it gives you this space to explore and, and uh, play with it because we don't have to stick with the rules. You can still do it your way, with your color, with your uh, sort of uh, inputs uh, based on what you like. Uh, but I think to have a benchmark and creating a space for you to be able for people who are interested in competing to access that, it's extremely valuable. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, um, I really, sure. I really think it's so cool. Yeah, it helped me so much. That's why I wanted to do it. Um, because competition, like I said, it is like a the easiest way to get some sort of reputation in the industry. Not that that's what I wanted. I didn't look for the end goal. It was more like I like competing. I like brewing coffee. I like learning. And actually... Like I wrote this in course um, and you can read it eventually when I release it, <laughs> but like it's 80% happens before you go on stage. It's only that last 20% that's afterwards, you know, after you finish, you know, when you call time, that's just a small, small fraction of it. More happens when you're training, when you have success, when you have failures, when you feel like nothing's going right and you want to give up. And then next second you're like, all right, I've got to go back to it, you know, that sort of stuff is the only 80% of what you actually learn and what you can get out of the competition. Yeah, and also, you know, we, you know, we often forget it's quite new. It's still new. Like, like coffee competition is not <laughs> as, as old as football or, you know, other sports, um, even though they're not quite in the same category. But uh, and being new means that there is a lack of information. Uh, I mean... I remember interviewing a team one level and he was saying exactly the same, which was like, well, when I went to WBC, like we didn't know what to do or not to do. And, uh, and you cannot quite see the evolution. If you watch his routine back in Trieste, I believe it was Trieste or Treviso. Anyway, one of those cities in Italy, all the way to what, I don't know, Boston looked like. So it's uh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to cut it through, but um, we got the, a little ritual question. Uh, we got the 
halfway mark out of the box question. I hope you're ready. If you're not, that's okay. Um, <laughs> so if you could, Matt, um, uh, who would you like to have dinner with? Oh, anyone in the world. Anyone in the world, alive, dead, uh, coffee, non-coffee. Mm. I don't know. What are we having for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> that one is really... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, th that that you can choose too, but uh, the guest is. Uh, I'm, I'm doing like some intermittent fasting at the moment, so I haven't eaten since I don't know eight o'clock last night. I'm getting a bit hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of feel like a pastor or something. No. <laughs> Nothing uh, wrong. No one but jumps out actually. Um, I I like I really like uh, in the coffee world. I really like having you know, all of these people around, like, you know, if I come to Australia, I can see you, um, you know, David's over in Adelaide, you've got Simon in Sydney, people in Brisbane, stuff all around there. Um, like Vag is over in the UK, he's in Greece at the moment. Everywhere I go, there's people and I get to meet them and we can have dinner. So things like that, I value a lot more than the diversity of people that I can I can meet rather than one single person that, you know, this is the person that I need to see or that I need to meet. I'd rather have a breadth of people instead of just one. Uh, that's beautiful. That, I'll take it. That's fine. That's good. That's good. Uh, uh, this is a, there's no right or wrong answer to this question. So I, I, I like it. Hey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Right now, I'd really like to have dinner with my parents. I haven't seen them in uh, in almost two years, so there, there's my answer. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, uh, at an at a, at a effective level, yeah, I haven't seen my family. Yeah, about two years actually, myself too. Yeah, I think September. Yeah, two years. So, and I think it's gonna be a while because with you know the whole thing, I don't think that you know we're not even allowed to leave Melbourne. Well. My suburb, Muni Ponds, forget about leaving the country. Um, so, yeah, 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 I get you. But, yeah, no, I appreciate the answer. And I think having having dinner with one person or multiple people based on where you are in the coffee, it's a very community-based community, community -based answer. I love that. Speaking mm -hmm. of something that you sort of touch base and we kind of moved a bit far away from it, what I love more than coffee is people. Um, and anything has to do with people. So uh, their lives and their stories, their careers, and it uh, doesn't have to be business, doesn't have to be work. Everything with people is what I love. Um, I will bring people to do certain action. And something that I do find extremely fascinating, especially in these kind of day and age, is what you did, which is like you were in the bloody army. Like, like, like now you're brewing coffee. <laughs> <laughs> My hair wasn't this long back then. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't. So what I find fascinating with that is that to some people, this transition was, I'm not saying it was easy, but you you actually made it and you were like, stuff it, I'm doing it. For some people instead, it becomes extremely, extremely difficult at both level, physical, mental, financial, even to connect the dots and they spend years or months or decades um, doing, you know, not necessarily what they want to do. A soldier or coffee. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Um, we just jarhead, jarhead of coffee. If you had a, you know, um, what, what, you know, what sort of struggles you had to overcome, but, because I'm sure there were a few, but what's sort of the roadmap that you would uh, outline to people that they want to go, hey, I bloody hate what I've been studying for five years, three years, two years, and worked for, even though it's paying me more money than what I would be doing at uh, pastry, baking, or coffee in this case? Yeah, um, it's a really good question because I think that a lot of people uh, go through something similar in their lives. Um, of dissatisfaction at some point uh, in what they're doing, and I, I like again okay, so face this up. I like like hippie stuff. I like being a bit woo and spiritual and that sort of jazz. So that sort of comes across in a lot of uh, things that I believe. 
in particular, in this case, I believe that, you know, every now and then the universe does make you evolve. If you don't evolve yourself, it'll happen one way or another. You're going to, you know, it starts with like a little tap on the shoulder, like, hey, maybe you should stop working your nine to five job and go and, I don't know, whatever your next right step is supposed to be. And then after that, it's like a bit of a shove. And then the universe grabs a chair and whacks you over the back of the head with it. And like, you fucking know about it at that point. And that's sort of the order of progression that it happens generally. So I, I personally try and listen at that little tap on the shoulder level, like, hey, this isn't the right thing for you anymore. Like the move to Sweden was so the right thing for me. Like when I, when I left, like got met Joanna, she offered me the position. I just went, it just flowed. Uh, when I left aircraft and started doing coffee, it flowed so well. Like there was no choice but to do that. It was just like, nope, this is the right thing. Like I just came to the cafe and I felt happy. When I went from Sweden to back to Mame, there was a point in Sweden where I wasn't happy every day. Like some days it was like a struggle to go to work. It was like, oh, I don't, I don't feel it. But then I was like, Mame, he wanted to go to work every day. So I was like, all right, well, this is the right place for me. Um, just listening to little cues like that, that go, hey, listen to this, or like, you know, this is the right way. Anything that shows you the path that you're supposed to be on, and it might not be the path that you think it is, anything like that is worth listening to. It's only going to serve you in good ways. It might not seem immediately obvious, but it will serve you in good ways. And that's the, the uh, reinforcement that you're on the right path that you're listening to this thing, your, your intuition. And, you know, for me, it said, hey, you, you can work with coffee every day and talk to people every day and, you know, make coffee for people. And that's what it said to me. And it was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm learning so much. I love it. This is my path. I know I'm, I know I'm in a right place because it feels comfortable and it feels right. If it doesn't feel right, maybe it's not the right path. Um, then listening to that little voice that's like something inside of you is like a little bit uncomfortable and it's like, oh, I don't know, oh, I'm depressed, I'm heavy about this thing. And then just finding the thing that makes you feel light. Um, for me, I ask myself the question because money comes up a lot and a lot of coffee workers aren't on a lot of like the greatest salaries. And you mentioned it before, people leaving higher paid jobs to work in a lower paid job. For me, I ask myself if I had just won the lottery, I've done my binge spending, I've bought the Ferrari, whatever it is, done all that crap, but just day to day I'm living now uh, what am I doing? I, I don't have to worry about money. I've got six million in the bank. It doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want. But what am I going to spend my time on? And if the answer is anything other than what I'm doing now, I look to change towards that. It's hard to top that off uh, just because I don't want to take what you said out of the stage. I mean, a couple of thoughts. First, I think that, you know, we have such a tendency of cool using this word as triggers, right, for negative stuff, right? Something's triggering you. But I think that those are positive triggers, uh, where is tap on the shoulder or I remember once someone made a metaphor compliment towards me when I was doing a barista job, waiter job, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe that's right. And it rained really force this idea that I could have be doing this, which I ended up doing. Uh, and those are positive triggers. I think the yeah. tricky part going on the voices, I think that there's a big crowd here, which is <laughs> often made by us and our environment and our, you know, situations where it's, you know, family, parents, culture, the place where you live, obviously, you know, without, forgetting that people some people don't have the option of course so we're talking about people who have the options uh, yeah. and it's interesting because it's very difficult to sort of like okay hang on which voice do i actually need to stop to listen to the you're not good enough uh yeah. you know the well those voices and often we tend to listen to that I'm not good enough. Um, uh, I'm shit at this. Uh, I really fucked up. I really need to get this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then there's the voices saying what you were saying, which is like, well, 
actually baking uh, or what is uh, the word? You know, doing making uh, I don't know toys or 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 embroidery, whatever yeah. makes you really happy, and all of a sudden you find yourself Saturday Sunday baking cupcakes and Monday to Friday you work in finance and you hate it, which is quite interesting. Um, I think just to touch on what you said then with, with the voices, it's really interesting. You said there's a lot of voices happening up here, which is so true, but the voice that I'm talking about comes from like a deeper place. It's, it's like, it's a, it's your intuition. And it's, you know, the thing that tells you to call a person when they need a, need a hand. It's the intuition that tells you to, you know, help someone out to to do anything that brings you towards like this greater connection and a, and a constant evolution. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and look, yeah, those those yeah those voices. This one is comes from a very particular place, and yeah, you just have to put attention on it and like get used to listening to it, right? Because it can yeah. be drowned out by all of this. It's totally. <laughs> I get you. And, and, and I think I think it's funny because. When you talk about the bank, uh, sorry, they win the lottery, uh, I think we often forget that there's a lot of things that we, there's, there's not a lot of things that we can control, but we forget that we do have control on a few others, which is our spending, our lifestyle, uh, deciding that maybe I can downgrade temporarily or move back in with my parents or, or having two jobs if I really want to pursue what I'm passionate about. And all of a sudden, the extra 10, 12, 13 euros, dollars, because you're no longer using Spotify Premium or you change your phone plan to a cheaper phone plan because you own your phone now, they all come in handy. So those are the things that uh, we're in control of and uh, we often forget about that. But um, yeah, this is, this is quite a big topic. But I'm glad that you could share your story because that's quite an extreme. You didn't go from... Oh yeah, I was a uni student and I went to coffee. You went from, you know, choppers to <laughs> to to jugs and yeah, yeah. and milk pitchers. Yeah, I mean it's actually a very good thing. This this engineering background, like I fix everything in the shops. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you what 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 are you what are you what are you bringing to the coffee that you learned from from the army? Which well, one is this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The biggest thing, like uh, the type of aircraft engineering I did was uh, avionics. Um, so it was all of the electronics, radios and instruments in helicopters and planes. Most recently, like the last aircraft I touched was a A340. So like the big Airbus, uh, you know, massive, massive uh, airplanes, civilian ones for, I think it was SAS at the time. Um, so that was like the last thing. It's a very different thing to coffee. But the skills that I got is troubleshooting, definitely, and then just technical skills. Like, I know how to put things together and take things apart and fix a problem and diagnose a problem. And whether that's – and I'm good with my hands, like, because that's what I used to do. So, like, that's transferred directly to espresso machines, to grinders, to the IT systems, like, you know, cash terminals, printers, everything. I just fix stuff because if it's broken, I want to figure out how it's broken and then fix it. It's just, uh, I like doing it. I love it. I, I, I struggle changing light bulbs. So my apartment <laughs> on the ceiling, we got the light bulbs locked, uh, clocked yeah. in, the, in the wall. And because this light is on top of me when I do the podcast at nighttime, well, now it's a bit better. So I just covered it. I didn't pull it out. I covered it with a piece of metal. Um, <laughs> I was like... No, I don't. I don't want to even risk it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm quite the opposite. That's okay. Um, <laughs> literally, I'll take a photo send it to you later. Um, so, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And I think we are we are based on what we have done and what we're going to do. Um, I mean, that is just retouching based on the army stuff, and we can answer that question, which is, uh, you think army teaches you to be patient as well? Um, my question was going to be, so what can we do now with the coronavirus to sort of 
maintaining the evolution of coffee, sort of sustain the trip, the journey that has been uh, happening for the past 10, 15 years. Because we, I don't, well, I'll say we, but you guys especially are the ones holding the keys. Mm. Um, so I think firstly with Fag's uh, question, Yami definitely didn't teach me to be patient. <laughs> I used to be a lot more stressed when I was in the army. So then everything had to be done now, now, now. Meditation has taught me to be patient, that's for sure. Um, the army taught me more things about like self-discipline, I guess, but that's also come through competition through like, all right, I have to show up training every day. Um, the army taught me a bit about teamwork, but I've since learned more. Um, I'd say more like the, the idea of like, right, I'm just going to get this done. Like just head down, let's do it. That was the way that, um, it was done a lot more in the military for me where it wasn't so much about thinking, oh, how can I do this, blah, blah, blah. No, if someone tells you to walk over there, you walk over there, um, that sort of a thing. So that was a bit more. Um, and just offered me some different experiences that shaped me for who I am today. But a lot, of, a lot of things, like, for example, actually, I've noticed now as I'm writing this training course, these training courses, I'm using the same layout as we used in the military. Like, it's a very basic way of teaching someone something and, you know, not not to the full extent, but like, you know, in the army we had catch words for everything. So it was like, you know, uh, I'm going to teach you how to uh, pick up a cup of water. So firstly, this is the cup of water. The reason that you need to pick up a cup of water is you need to stay hydrated. After we finish today, you're going to be able to drink a cup of water and you're going to be able to stay hydrated. Step one, like, you know, all of this sort of stuff, like really breaking it down super, super simply. And I really like that style. So that's that's probably one of the bigger things. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's foolproof for learning. It says what you're going to learn, why you're going to learn it, how you're learning it. Now that you've learned it, you can do this. So it's, it's really, really nice. Um, so on the coronavirus question. <laughs> well, yeah, and look, I'll add, I had a little part of it, like, because we're, I didn't realize that we're reaching, you know, 10, min 10, 10 12 minutes away from the end, unfortunately. Mm -hmm time flew, which is, which is a good sign. Um, well, I suppose what, you know, you're holding the keys because you're the professionals that people look up to. Um, coronavirus has inflated the home brewing um, and how unsustainable is coffee and how we can drive towards sustainability uh, towards our own choices, which it leads to the big question, including this, which is what's your coffee mission and what's next for you? So I'll give you plenty of time to cover this yeah um that's something i haven't really thought about too much um i i think that it's not just me that has uh well, sorry it's not just coffee professionals that have the key because we also follow the consumers and we also follow what farmers give us so really it's it's a whole holistic network it's uh everything's in one there's no individual person that can do anything and you want put a little bit of force in to move roll the ball that way but at the end of the day everyone has to put their weight on that side to get it going um i think for me i i i find it hard to to say anything about sustainability in terms of the environment in coffee because it is inherently not that sustainable we're taking tons of, of a product grown by people and picked by people who are on much less wage than we are, even comparatively, um, shipping it halfway across the world and then roasting it and, you know, selling it to people who are more rich. It's like the epitome of, you know, this olden privileged era of I can afford to eat lots of food, so that's why I'm a beast sort of thing. Like, you know, we import spices from wherever, like, if we're going to be very sustainable, coffee should only exist and be drunk in the places where it's grown. Um, that being said, that's not the world that we're in right now. So that's why I can't think too sustainably and like to this environmental and ecological impact because that's just the state that we're in. That's what we've become accustomed to and that's what's happening right now. That is what is happening. I think that there's some cool things happening with uh, uh, like the sail big cargo ships but sailing. We looked into that at Mame for transporting our coffee. Um, so that sort of stuff is kind of cool as a, as a bit of an impact, um, trying to 
reduce the, the um, transporting emissions a little bit. But that being said, at the same time, we still air freight some things because it's quicker and it's more reliable. So in terms of being sustainable for the future, I can't see much improvement really because if we want quality, we have to compromise on sustainability in some ways. It's some form. It might not be dramatically. It might just be a little bit, but we have to compromise somewhere. Um, and it depends where your personal quota is for compromise. If I can't compromise on quality, then I will compromise on sustainability. Um, and then price comes into that as well. But I think it's interesting to see. I, I think we've started to pay more for coffee, which is great. Um, we're not looking for a cheap option at Mame at, at all, ever. Um, it's like, right, this is the coffee. This is how much it costs. Is it worth it? Yes, let's buy it. So I'm, I'm happy with that sort of an aspect of it. Um, as for like trends and stuff like that in, in just the scene, for example, in Europe, yeah, you're right. There's so much more home brewing, which is awesome. It's great. I, I love it. It's super cool because it takes people on more of a journey of like, hey, I'm doing this. I get to learn about this topic. Um, and then like, who knows, maybe these people will be future barista champions. You can't, you can't tell. Maybe they'll have a greater impact than we ever could. Um, Look at Colin Harmon's story. It's a good one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I can't speak for anything the way that the industry is evolving and I think it's going to evolve with or without me. Um, so I'm not trying to have a, like a personal mission statement or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, I'm not trying to do anything in particular that is going to affect anything. I'm just going to do what I can do daily to try and just be a better person, I think. So if that involves, you know, uh, choosing one option over another or just maybe it's traveling less, like you said, but at the same time, I've been in contact with so many more farms since, since quarantine, just over Instagram and WhatsApp, and they just sent samples. So yeah, we're using more air freight, but I've actually reached out to more people. So it's quite interesting. And look, for me, that question is, is, it's not a tricky question. It's a question more to expose the issue, to give a platform for 5, 12, 31, 100 people who really listen to this on Spotify or YouTube or IGTV to be like, oh, fuck, yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. Hey, uh, coffee comes from countries like Ethiopia or Bolivia or countries that are less fortunate than ours. I never thought about it, so it's more to expose. Um, I think that I came, I came quite to the, you know, to to to, to self-realization that there's no such a thing as perfection. Uh, there will never be. But I also think that when, when we talk about sustainability, because it's such a word that's been abused. And the other day, I was actually quite, I wouldn't say upset because I don't let these things upset me. But I was like, well, I keep reading about, you know. Anyway, there was like a little a little story and post, and I was like, well, actually, well, if you really want to talk about sustainability, it has nothing to do with cups or the other thing that was mentioned. You know, oceans are risking to be empty by 2043. It's not far. Uh, you know, there's more mercury in the ocean than probably, in, you know, in 10 labs in the USA. Uh, we have a gigantic you know, enormous amount of problems when it comes to, you know, single-use plastic. But it's not just the straws or the Starbucks, the issue I'm talking about. I still see Melbourne, the green Melbourne, people putting their apples in a plastic bag, coming back home and washing the same apples, which makes absolute no sense. So I think that we need to kind of step out from coffee and see sustainability as holistic, as a... Every single thing that we do and we decide to do, every purchase, every action, has a consequence or multiple consequences. And we just need to understand that a lot of those actions we're actually in control of. And we dictate the market by doing so, because if we all stop buying, putting our fruit in a plastic bag for the sake of the exercise, the shop will stop ordering them because they would have an overload of plastic bags. Right, so there's a lot of things that we can do, and I think it's just a matter of having a space. And look, there's no right or wrong. It's just a matter of, like you said, trying to better ourselves. For me, it's more, it's a question that doesn't have an answer, but it's a question that helps to expose, and I'm hoping to give a little bit of voice to the 17, 31, 
99 people who will re-listen to this. So that's, that's it. I agree with what you said, and, uh, and I love it. I think, uh, I think uh, you're very centered, um, very humbled. Uh, you, you, you have this positive energy that comes from you. And, um, yeah, some people reach out to me and say, well, can't wait to hear from Matt. And uh, I, I get it now. So I look forward to actually meeting you. But thank you so much for being here, sharing this. I feel that's quite incomplete still, uh, but time is the essence for you. You you gotta start your day soon. Um, <laughs> I think we should maybe have a second shot, a second episode, maybe whether it's brewing, whether it's you talking about certain coffees and maybe do something a bit out of, out of just the chat and uh, we could do that maybe. Yeah, definitely. That sounds great. And thank you for putting all this together. Like your passion is so evident in the channel that you've created and all of these people and and you're relentless with it. It's awesome. It's so cool. Every day it's like posting, posting, posting. It's so sweet. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> At least one person. Honestly. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something. And look, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to show more of what I have in plan my projects. Uh, there's a there's a big one that's going to coming up soon, and uh, and um, I actually would love to. You know, I already mentioned a couple of things to Matthew or Amy or both. Um, but yeah, uh, I think all it is is just community. Uh, on Sunday is the invitation for you, but on Sunday where do, I'm doing this first thing that I've. It's going to be the first time I think. Not has been done, but the first time for me will be just to get together with a whole bunch of people from all over the world on a Google Meet and uh, awesome. just, just hang out. Just like we did, to be honest. <laughs> Mate, I would love to join, but I'm working on Sunday. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I get it. You're in Oslo. I tried to make it. And it's look. People will miss out, and that's fine. But, uh, it's that's been a treat. It's been a real pleasure, uh, my friend. And it's good to talk to you, and uh, let's keep in touch. Thanks very much, Mako. Cheers, mate. Ciao. Thank you, brother. And uh, have a good day. You, you know, it's a start for you. Enjoy your evening. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ciao. Uh, uh, there you have it, Hi, guys. Um, I just, I just, um, I just love when I'm able to connect with wholesome. I hope my pronunciation is good. Wholesome people like Matt, um, with an incredible story, with an incredible positive, warm energy, and uh, I just can I say something? Everyone has a story. Everyone has something valuable to share. And it doesn't matter how old, how young, how wealthy, how poor, no matter what, something special about you. You and you and you. And that's, this is not cheesy shit. This is not cliche. This is not to suck anybody's boat. It just really, like it, the, the, the specialty of being, it's so crazy and I just want to remind you if you still make it and if you're still here and you know whether it's in the podcast that you are special and if you feel for any reason that you're not because you compare yourself or someone else a friend or brother or sister doing better or whatever no, no, no don't worry about it you are special in your way and I just love that I wish I could talk to every single people on earth Maybe that should be my goal. That could be difficult. Um, I I just wanted to say that. Um, you know. Yeah. I just want to leave you with that. You're special. Uh, not because you're here. Uh, I appreciate that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here. Thank you for being here. Um, this wouldn't be possible without you here. But you're special because of the way you are. And yes, we all have shortfalls and we have flows and we're not perfect uh, but you within you have so much to give and uh, there's so many people who love the way you are and just keep being you and being awesome so just want to leave with this um yeah 
So anyway, I'm sending you love. I hope you have a good start of the day, if it's a start of the day, a good end of the day, or a good rest of the day, if it's halfway through it. Stay safe, stay awesome, keep drinking good coffee, keep connecting with the world and the people, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow, actually, in a few hours, with Rizzy Resales at uh, 9 a.m. Australian Eastern Time. And that, last thing, if you haven't registered, Global Coffee Table is going live on Sunday, um, if you're live on Instagram. So go and watch some of our posts. We've been promoting that. We're just going to get all together, drinking coffee in a global aspect. So to register, just go on the website, drop your email so I can send out the invite for the room. That's the last thing. That's it. Take it easy.